We've got this. Hey yo, hey yo, hey yo, hey yo. Hey yo, hey yo, hey yo. We've got this. Hey yo, hey yo, hey yo, hey yo, hey yo. We've got this. Find an away. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Cervical Wellness Podcast. Today, I have a very exciting interview to share with you with uh, Sina Maria. Sina Maria is a friend of mine and someone who I have been deeply involved with in uh, the healing journey of our bodies, both nutritionally as well as just like witnessing each other on the journey of coming back home into our female bodies. So Sina Maria is here to increase our capacity for resilience through micro healing. As a remineralizer, wellness explorer, and root cause protocol consultant, she believes that minerals are the language of evolution and that mineral realms are powerful allies to our collective returning to the simple, natural joy of being alive. Sina's career at Google and her subsequent studies of yoga, energy healing, shamanism, plant medicine, tools for building emotional capacity and integration, and the root cause protocol have led her to sit with many questions about what humanity may need at this time to heal from trauma and toxins, strengthen our families, and create mineral-rich generations to come. Sina is passionate, passionate about supporting women, mamas, and families to reclaim their mineral heritage. She shares thought-provoking content drops about plant medicine, minerals, and holistic healing on Instagram at Sina Maria and offers one-on-one remineralization packages utilizing hair tissue mineral analysis and blood labs. She is the founder of Microglow which uh, I will link in the show notes. Sorry for fumbling over my words there, friends. (laughs) Sometimes reading the bio is like a tongue twister. But as I mentioned before I read Sina's bio, uh, she is a good friend of mine. I've known Sina for, gosh, seven years, seven, eight years, maybe seven years. And both her and I have you know, witnessed each other and been on the path with each other of healing our relationship with our female physiology. And as I've mentioned in past episodes, you know, returning to the kitchen, returning to the hearth, and really devoting to cooking has been a huge part of my cervical healing journey. And this piece that Sina brings forward in this conversation around our metabolism, around pro-metabolic eating, around the benefits of animal-based foods, and this idea of remineralizing, or really are just interested and curious about ways to tend to and take care of your beautiful female body in a more deeply nourishing and grounded way. So in this episode, Sina and I talk a lot about food and talk a lot about, you know, the ways in which we women 
uh, can benefit our daily existence through the types and qualities of food that we eat. And at some point in the episode, I do ask Sina about her opinion. That is, it's actually rather provocative what she says, but I'm so glad she spoke these words uh, regarding vegan and vegetarian diets. Now, know that you know, whatever is shared here is is not a judgment on anybody, but rather we're just exploring these ideas and exploring these ideas based upon our own lived experience. So, you know, both the Sina and I have experience in our 20s and even in our early 30s, we're both 35, uh, of having disordered eating. So not having necessarily eating disorders, but just disordered eating of, you know, being hyper-focused on thinness or exercising without eating or living every, you know, living most of the day on some sort of upper like cacao or caffeine. And both of us uh, about a year and a half ago discovered this idea, this um, way of looking at food and lifestyle with food uh, called pro-metabolic. And this, uh, this way of eating isn't just about the diet, which Sina goes into. It's actually a, how we approach our whole lifestyle. And as you all know, cervical wellness community, lifestyle medicine is the whole way that I teach in how we can heal our cervixes ourselves or heal our uteruses ourselves or heal our just pelvic ailments, pelvic and increase pelvic well-being is through the daily actions that we take within our life, that it is actually not separate from, uh, what we just do on the day-to-day in the rigmarole of life, but is actually deeply intertwined into every decision, every action, every choice that we make on behalf of our body. And the pro-metabolic way of life, which we get into what that means and we get into what metabolism means, is really about how do we live in a way that is supporting the intricate symphony of our female physiology. So we get into so many different things in this conversation. And if you are someone who has been interested about, um, you know, you know, leaning more towards nutrient dense foods or feeling like you are experiencing adrenal fatigue or exhaustion or burnout or even high anxiety. Uh, I really feel like this conversation is going to be your cup of tea because what we speak about are actually remedies to all of these things. And for those of us who are on the cervical healing journey, burnout, adrenal fatigue, um, you know, being in a constant state of stress or anxiety only diminishes our capacity to uh, allow our cervix to recover on its own. So this conversation is exquisitely important. And I'm so grateful for Sina uh, for um saying yes to being a guest on the show and I will be I have linked several and 
almost all, I'm pretty (laughs) making sure I'm getting them all, all the things that she mentioned, all the resources that she mentioned um, in this conversation. So go ahead and check out those links. And the final thing I want to share that is very exciting is that my program, uh, Cervical Wellness Online Live, which is a nine-week group intensive going through my online course, Cervical Wellness Online, while being held in a group coaching container by me, that Sina is going to be one of our guest teachers. So this program, which the enrollment opens on August 1st, uh, we begin September 5th. I'd ha- I have to go double check that. I've been playing around with the dates. Um, <clears throat> that Sina is going to be one of the several guest teachers that are going to be bringing in more information, tools, and resources for those of us who are on the cervical healing journey. And so I'm, what we share here is really just like grazing the surface of all of the nuances of the ways in which that we eat, the types of food that we eat, as well as specifics around our lifestyle how they impact our female physiology and our metabolism. And our metabolism, as you will hear, is really like a a cornerstone in the functioning of our body overall and the creation of energy. And in order for us to heal cervical dysplasia and recover from HPV, we have to have adequate amounts of energy. So I'm very excited to announce that Sina Maria is going to be one of the guest teachers. And um, the information for Cervical Wellness Online Live Fall 2023 cohort will become available on August 1st. In the meantime, you can check out what the course material is just looking at Cervical Wellness Online, the online course, which is an evergreen. And uh, know that if you have signed up for the evergreen you know, online course, that you do will get the amount you paid off the amount you already paid for the course off the live program. Uh, So you won't have to, you know, buy the course again, but you will be paying for the program experience, which it is an intensive. We do meet twice a week. Um, It is nine weeks and we do have a group chat in between. And I call it an intensive because we go very deep (laughs) in a short amount of time. And I just want to toot the horn of cervical wellness for one moment and say that the last cohort fall 2022 upwards of 60 65% of the women who were in that cohort have already healed their diagnoses some um in less than a year some uh, had grades all the way up to sin 3 um, many of them had sin 2 many of most of them have recovered from HPV So this is the real deal if you are wanting to be held in a group capacity to go through the material, to do the practices, to be coached by me. There will be office hours to have your questions and me reflect back to you. There's so much that's involved. And Sina is going to be one of our lovely guest teachers. Okay, friends, enough of me chatting away. I can't wait for you to hear this episode. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Sina Maria. 
Hi, Sina. Welcome to the Cervical Wellness Podcast. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on to talk about all things pro-metabolic and minerals and even maybe some convo about femininity. Uh, I would love to begin just to invite you to introduce yourself to the audience and share a little bit about your story and any threads that you'd like to include about how you got into your work, because I think it's Mm. a very beautiful story that you have woven within you. Oh, thank you so much. Um, Yeah. So I am certified in the root cause protocol, which is kind of my introduction into studying minerals. Um, I'm also in a program to be certified as a mineral nutritional balancing practitioner, which is a pretty different approach in some ways, but also focuses on hair tissue mineral analysis, which is a lab that I run that shows mineral levels and ratios in the body, um, which that could be fun to talk more about because there's a lot there to unpack. Um, And yeah, minerals and HTMAs is kind of where I'm focusing. And then as a result of that, and really from my own healing journey, that's how I got into this. I um, I would say I like kind of like hobby study nutrition and pro-metabolic principles. Um, I've worked with a pro-metabolic nutritionist and really learned how to heal myself from a lifetime of malnourishment. And not that I didn't get food from my family, but like I didn't eat properly. I didn't eat nutrient-dense foods. I ate a lot of processed foods. I was a really picky eater. Um, ate a lot of like fast food, drank a lot of alcohol, was on birth control. I mean, I kind of did like the American like teenager starter pack. And um, yeah, and then I got into plant medicine, which is another like beautiful, but also very can be very depleting for the body. And so I was on this journey of of healing and I kind of went from like more, um, I don't know, like spiritual, like down, like I've been like descending into my body. And it wasn't until I realized like cells need minerals and nutrients to function. And like (laughs) that the body, you can't like, I'm not going to, my body's not going to be able to produce energy in order to, um, allow me to integrate all of these like spiritual healing practices that I was doing. Like I couldn't actually bring that into the world because my body was, um, incredibly depleted and deficient. And so now I'm just really passionate about helping women, um, build that cellular resilience and that foundation on a physical level, because from there, like anything's possible. Hmm. I'm sure many listeners and myself included can relate to, the part of your story of like having focused so much of our healing in the more like spiritual esoteric realms and mm. just kind of ignored our body for a while. You know, yeah. my circumstance is a little different because I had, you know, a specific symptom and diagnosis that I was working with, but, you know, with, with our listenership, that, that pattern of kind of ignoring the hunger cues, ignoring the body to be in a more spiritual the minded framework, I think is very common. And this dissension that you are talking about into the body is a beautiful trend that I've been witnessing in women for the last several months. And I know that your work uh, is really powerful in giving women like grounded action into how to actually like descend into the body through nourishment and re- remineralizing 
So, you know, for people who don't know, um, and maybe have never heard the phrase pro-metabolic before or remineralization, uh, could you explain what that means? And also, how does it differ from the other nutritional diet trends that we have seen in the last 10 to 15 years? You know, we've been in the mix for a while now, so we've seen all these different nutritional trends. And um, mm-hmm. I would just love for you to, to speak about how this is perhaps a little different. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say like remineralization, that's that's my kind of word that I like to, that's my label that I put out there because that's what resonates with me. Um, and pro-metabolic is, is kind of a separate uh, little zone. Um, but remineralization for to me is really this realization that we actually, like our cells are, everything is formed from minerals. Like at, at an, at a, an atomic level, we are made of minerals and we have been, um, my teacher Morley Robbins says that we're four to five generations of mineral deficient. Like we're, we are losing gener, sorry, we're losing minerals with every generation. And so at this point we are four to five generations deep of, of like a continuous loss in minerals with every generation. And that's because we're eating a less nutrient dense diet. We have way more toxins and heavy metals going on in our society. Our soils are very depleted and that's where we get our minerals is primarily from our food sources. There's a lot of different, you know, pharmaceutical medicines. There's a lot of things that impact our, I mean, everything kind of impacts our mineral health, but, um, yeah, we're in this kind of like modern industrialized society that we live in. We are dramatically depleting our mineral stores. And that is, you can see the increase in chronic illness. You can see the increase in autoimmune disease. You can see the increase in obesity, in um, things like autism, ADHD, like all of these things, it all comes down to minerals. And so this is one of the reasons that I'm, I decided to dive into this is because I, I really truly feel that it's like the core, it's the root, you know, if we don't have minerals to run our enzymes, then our enzymes are, our literal body systems are not going to function properly or that we're going to hold on to heavy metals and, and like kind of be limping along. Um, so that to me is, is remineralization. It's kind of just looking at like where are minerals at, and how can we rebuild that? And pro-metabolic is one more like nutritional approach that I've really resonated with. That's really been supportive for me. I think it's really helpful for women that have led a more um, depleted life or had more what I would call disordered eating. I think maybe my nutritionist, Laura, is the one I heard that from, but it's not an eating disorder per se. Like I was never, you know, anorexic, but I definitely had disordered eating where I would not, I would ignore hunger cues. I would skip breakfast. I would drink cacao and microdose instead of eat a meal. I would, um, you know, had no idea like how much protein I was eating or how to combine food properly or get the proper nutrients that I needed really. Um, and so pro-metabolic can be really helpful. I think for women that are just, just honestly, so many women are depleted because they just don't eat enough and they don't eat the right things they don't eat breakfast. Like tip number one, just eat, eat a hearty, healthy breakfast and like your whole life's going to change. Um, and so pro- pro-metabolic is uh, a body of work that um, was, was 
you know, brought through by Dr. Ray Pete, who passed away, I think last year, really recently. And essentially it's focused on, on um, pro-metabolic means like pro-metabolism, like strengthening your metabolism. And our metabolism, you can think of it as the engine that runs our body. It's it's like if our metabolism is functioning well, then all of our systems should have the energy they need and our body should be able to detox and eliminate toxins. And like, there's not, there's not a lot of stagnation. There's not a lot of inflammation. It's like our body's operating properly when our metabolism is not functioning while we slow down, we, um, you know, disease happens, inflammation happens, disease happens, our thyroid's impacted, our adrenals are impacted. So it's really like, I like, I've found myself in these niches because it's much less focused on symptoms, you know, like I'm not, I'm not diagnosing anyone with anything. I'm going to, I'm not going to say like you have hypothyroidism. I'm going to say your thyroid is sluggish. Like that's what we can see on your HTMA. And it all comes, all symptoms in my opinion, come down to uh, an impaired metabolism. Like when our, when our metabolism is impaired, then our, our different organ and body systems start to kind of decline in function. And then we get symptoms. Eventually we get inflammation and then we get symptoms. So um, that's why I like the pro-metabolic approach. Cause it really helps you focus on how often you're fueling your body, what you're fueling your body with nutrient dense foods. It tends to be a more, um, a bit more ancestrally focused, like focusing on, um, nutrient dense foods, um, getting enough protein, um, things like bone broth, combining fruits with proteins properly, like not eating naked carbs where you just start eating a bunch of sugars and have a glucose spike. I mean, we can unpack a lot, but, um, it's a, it's essentially a lifestyle. It's not just a, it's not just a nutritional focus. It's a lifestyle, including like getting into a rhythm, going to bed by at least by 10 PM every night. So you get a solid amount of sleep, like just getting everything into a rhythm because our body thrives on that rhythm, on that routine, on that, that like consistency. And I think in this modern day and age, we've really lost touch with that kind of consistency. And it's really easy to ignore our natural rhythms. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, like how I see this as being different than say like keto or, um, I don't know, I'm trying to even think like bulletproof coffee, you know, diet trend, <laughs> these sorts of things. Is it, it's not very, it's, it's not, it's not really restrictive. It's actually more nourishing. And I don't know, in my mind, like softer, it's like, oh, I get to eat food and oh, I get to tend to my body in this mm -hmm, mm -hmm. really loving way instead of um, being hard on myself and right you know, flogging myself into submission to align to this like certain way of eating. If Absolutely. Makes... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, keto is like restricting a whole food, a whole macro, you know, it's like low, very low carb. I did keto and that, that messed me up more than anything probably that I've done. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that is, I think that's pro-metabolic does feel very like feminine in that way and that it's, it's not restrictive and it's sustainable because it's not restrictive. There are guidelines, you know, it can be really easy, especially for women that come from a more depleted state. When you give someone permission, which pro-metabolic is, is essentially can be received as a permission slip to like eat bacon 
every day for breakfast you're like oh my god I can have bacon and eggs and potatoes for breakfast like what I can eat I can cook with butter it's like so like juicy you're like wait are you sure like this is what you know I thought this was gonna give me a heart attack but like when we when we look back at you know eating like our our grandmothers our great-grandmothers it's like we ate the food that from the animals that we had I mean we didn't have packaged food we didn't have processed foods and you know heart attacks didn't exist until um what was the president was it Rockefeller I think Eisenhower Eisenhower thank you yeah Rockefeller wasn't a president but it was one of those long names um he uh yeah that in in the 50s like there was not the Americans we didn't see heart attacks were not a commonplace thing and before then everyone was eating like eggs and like standard American breakfast but hopefully like good quality foods like that's kind of the the focus now it's like I'm not saying go eat bad bake like um, conventionally raised bacon with pigs that have a bunch of hormones or you know we, we it needs to be good quality that's super super important organic is super important in this day and age um, so there are some definitely modern like takes to it but essentially it's like yeah it's it gives you a lot of permission to like loosen up and it's like why do our bodies love those things why do why are we stoked on bacon it's like well we can just shame we've gotten to this place on like shaming ourselves especially women you know we're like oh my god I can't I cannot have ice cream that's so bad for me but it's like maybe actually like maybe there's some wisdom in our body like maybe there's a reason that we are craving bacon maybe we need some of that like lard that like bacon fat in for our um for our luteal phase that we were in and our body's speaking to us by giving us that craving so um yeah it's it can be a slippery slope though I just do want to say that like it's very common for women when they're depleted and then you kind of like take the take the chains off and you're like okay go go have a nice like steak and eggs breakfast and you know dairy's good for you and like raw dairy and raw cheese it's like it can be easy to pendulum swing the other way where your body literally is like so hungry and you weren't really attuning to that and then all of a sudden you start feeding your body these really nutrient dense things and your hunger will start to increase and your metabolism it's like that fire for life that like digestive fire starts to um, grow. And so then it can kind of pendulum swing the other way where you're like, you know, drinking a liter of (laughs) raw milk every day. And it's like, okay, no, there's balance. Like there are, there are some kind of like guardrails, um, to this practice. So I don't want anyone out there to just like, you know, go out there and, and kind of go wild, but, um, it generally, when you're kind of doing it in a way that's guided and you, you know, you have the guardrails, you have the guidelines, um, it really, really supports your metabolism, you know, mm. like it really can rebuild you on a cellular level. Mm. Speaking of metabolism, I realize, you know, thinking back in my knowing of metabolism, I would only ever hear about metabolism, metabolism of like a woman who's like really thin. And they would say, Oh, she has a fast metabolism. Right. Um, is it possible to like demystify metabolism a little bit? Like, what is that? Like what mechanisms in the body work with metabolism? Is it possible to define it? Because I realized even for myself, I'm like, what parts of the body are within the quote metabolism? And I'm thinking yeah. if I have this question, maybe other 
people have this question too. This is a great question. And I'm not sure if I have like the perfect answer for it, but I, I mean, what I think of metabolism is our mitochondrial health. So that's, um, they're, they're kind of, uh, colloquially known as the powerhouse of the cell, but it's actually like way more than that. It's the mitochondria have an intelligence. Um, they, they are the, they are the little nuclear power plants or like the drumbeat of the cell is, is one, um, thing that I resonate with, but they create energy through the ATP process. Um, and like one side note is you need like M mag ATP is the, like uh, the output of, um, the energy conversion process. So like that means magnesium is like a very key mineral. Um, they're all key. They're all important. You can't just focus on one and not all the others, but, um, just bringing that in of like, it's actually in the ATP molecule, um, when, when to make it usable and, uh, like energy that's usable to us. So yeah, if our mitochondria are not functioning properly, then our body's not going to be able to produce the energy efficiently and it's not able to exhaust the energy efficiently. So that's how I, I think of metabolism. It's essentially our body's process of creating energy, converting fuel, converting our food into energy and arguably converting like the sunlight we get every day into, you know, like that's converted into things that we need like cholesterol and, um, or sorry, cholesterol is like a part of that process. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would say like one really simple way to think about metabolism is it's like a wood stove. Mm. So if you have a wood stove in a house and that's your heat source and you have a very fast metabolism, that wood stove is going to be burning super hot and you have, it's like running out of fuel really quickly. You have to keep like putting wood on the fire. Um, and you might want to put like oak instead of pine. Like you want like a slow, you know, there's a, there's a lot we can further, we can go with that analogy. Um, and then a slow oxidizer, which is also, sorry, a slow metabolizer in HTMA speak, we call them oxidizers. It's how well are you oxidizing? How well are you, um, yeah, converting that fuel? A slow metabolism is a wood stove that's too small for the space. And so it's barely keeping the house warm. It's like having a hard time, like maybe the the wood is kind of wet and it's oak and it's just like the fire's not getting hot enough and it's just kind of like barely creating enough heat. That would be a slow metabolism. Um, so it's definitely way more complex than just like, oh, she's skinny. She's a fast metabolism. Um, like some, some meta metabolic markers that are helpful are like, how's your libido? How's your digestion? Are you having a bowel movement at least once a day? And is that bowel movement well-formed? If not, then you were having, we're already having issues with eliminating toxins. Like we have to have, um, that detox, the colon moving to be eliminating things from the body. Um, do you sweat easily or like, do you sweat too easily or do you not sweat really at all? Um, what's, what are your body temperatures? Like if your body temperatures are chronically low, that's a really big sign of like a slower metabolism. Your body's having a hard time heating itself. Um, sleep, you know, I mean, on uh, appetite, um, those are all things that I would look at to kind of figure out where someone's metabolism is. And then on an HTMA test, you can actually see like what you can kind of quantify where the metabolism is. Mm. <clears throat> Thank you for that. 
explanation because, you know, the sometimes words are thrown out there and people are like, oh yeah, metabolism, <laughs> but we don't right. actually know what the heck it means. Um, so, you know, going forward with that, why, why do you think, or yeah, why do you think it's particularly important for women uh, to be aware and conscious of their metabolism? And is there, you know, specific reasons why with like in female bodies, uh, metabolic health is, uh, you know, even perhaps, I don't want to say even more important than in male bodies, but mm-hmm. you know, you know, our, we're so different, uh, our physiologies. And I'm just curious if there are particular reasons why, uh, metabolic health, like we're seeing maybe a wave of women coming into the metabolic health sphere or being aware of this and, how, how is metabolism and, and female physiology, how do they interplay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in a nutshell, I, I like women's metabolisms, women are, our physiology is more complex and more sensitive. Like I will just say like, because of our ability to create life inside of us, um, our physiology is very different from men's are, we have, um, you know, our menstrual cycle, the way our hormones move. And we are, um, also attuned to being very aware, you know, we are the caretakers. We, we like naturally track what's going on around us, both for our own safety, like evolutionarily and the safety of our children. And also for like, for the care, that we provide to whether it's our animals or our plants or our children or our parents, um, that, that is, that requires a, an interactivity and an entanglement in like creating the web of, of community and like running the hearth and and that kind of thing. And so because of that, I, I think that we're much more sensitive to our environment and many women in this day and age are in environments that are not inherently supportive to our metabolism. Um, we, we are not meant like from, you know, a traditional Chinese medicine or an Ayurvedic perspective, like we're not meant to be cold. We're not meant to be cold plunging. We want to keep, I mean, you talk about keeping your feet warm a lot. You know, you want to keep the womb area warm a lot. We don't want to be cold because again, back to what I was just saying earlier, that, um, having a cold body temperature is a signal that, like our, it's like a slow metabolism indicator. Um, and so there are just things that women, women's bodies are, are not, we're way more sensitive. We just, we, uh, I mean, I don't have like a deep, like physiological chemical explanation of this, but I, I just, it's, it's very clear. And I think that's why there's so many women kind of surging into this in the last like year or two, because we're realizing that we're like, wait, I'm actually like my body like cannot do that nine to five in a corporate office with EMFs everywhere and with people's energies everywhere. And um, like we we really do require a special um, type of care, in my opinion, and our bodies will get out of whack much more quickly. And I think that is actually an evolutionary strength because if our, when women's bodies, it's like our bodies are way more sensitive and they're like, they're throw up alerts much more quickly because they're like, we are, if we are not metabolically healthy, then we cannot procreate. 
And so it's like, to me, it's like that like flag goes up really early on. Cause it's like, Hey, Hey, like you're, you know, you're, you know, your libido is low. Like, you know, you got two nights in a row of bad sleep and now you're like feeling really off and it can be really frustrating. Cause we're like, Oh my God, I'm like, so not resilient, but we, we are designed to be cyclical beings. We are designed to have a rhythm and a structure um, within we op- which we operate and we eat and we sleep and all of that. And that that's really important for our metabolic health. And so, um, yeah, I think women are, we, we are more sensitive, but it's a strength. Mm. Mm. And, you know, when you were talking about that initial flag going up to tell us that our body is, is unhappy, our metabolism is unhappy, our mitochondria are unhappy. I, immediately think about like how many women I know have pelvic health issues. Like Mm -hmm. it's like, whether that's PCOS or cervical dysplasia, irregular periods, which, um, you know, I have also experienced or like long cycles or anovulation or, you know, even pelvic pain or fibroids or whatnot. And, you know, what you were just saying about how, you know, the way that our body runs and the energy that it needs to maintain homeostasis and well-being to be able to procreate, it makes sense that for many of us, that initial flag that goes up is actually within the region of our body that needs mm-hmm. a large portion of the energy. You know, besides our yeah. brain, I'm pretty right. sure our wombs and our pelvises and intertwined with our hormones require the most amount of energy out of our mm-hmm. whole body. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious in your work and maybe even in your clientele, have you found that, you know, pelvic health issues are common with the women that you work with, or is that just my mind? Well, you know, cause one thing I'm thinking of is like, there's like, this may not even be what people think of when they think of pelvic health issues, but there's like just having a menstrual cycle irregularity or a painful periods, right? Like painful periods, you know, really intense PMS. That's actually not normal. And I think many women, including myself grow up thinking it's just like how it is, you know, you just get gnarly cramps and you have to lay in bed for a day. And it's like, actually like, that's another sign. That's another like flag from your body. That's like, Hey, let's look at like this area. Let's look at this um, like your uterine health and you're like, are you ovulating? And I mean, then we get into the birth control conversation and how that completely disconnects us from our natural hormone cycle and from our, you know, our reproductive capacity. Like it actually, like we are not, when we're on birth control, we're not running at least oral, like contraceptives and any hormonal birth control. We're not running our body's natural hormonal, um, cycle anymore. Like it is, it is a false, um, period. It's a false cycle. And so, um, I would say like my expertise doesn't fall in like more of like the PCOS, um, area. It it falls more in like how, like if you're having irregular menstrual cycles, like I do, I do see, I would say like most of the women either are like not you know, they lost their cycle and they're like, am I in, am I in perimenopause or is my thought? I mean, this is my interpretation is my thyroid function just like depleted to the point, exhausted to the point where like, I can't, you know, I'm not able to go through that hormonal cycle every month right now. Um, 
so that's a really interesting one actually is like the being being confused on like if this is perimenopause or not um or and then yeah just really intense periods that's like another big one of like or like menopause that um you have like insane hot flashes and you know insane like brain fog and you're like sweating all night as you're sleeping like again we're like taught that that's we've normalized so many of these things and that's not normal you know like our bodies it's not like our bodies were designed to like put us through hell like it's like we we um yeah those are those are like more indicators of just like a a deeper imbalance um Mm. and I I agree that the the reproductive system is not disconnected. It's not separate. And, um, you know, there's, there's usually some symptoms there that are showing up earlier on. And one thing I was thinking about, uh, that you were sharing is that you said that like a sign of a healthy metabolism is a like libido, having libido, strong libido. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that's like being able to be lubricated and stuff. And I know that there's like a conversation of like, Oh, like, just use lube, but it's like, actually our bodies should be able to produce its own lubrication. And so these, like, like you were just saying, these things that have been normalized, uh, just are putting women in a state where they think that they can just maintain not eating breakfast, not actually taking care of themselves in these really nourishing ways. And that the greater society has all these like crutches for us to to be able to lean on, but that leads us to extreme depletion and, um, burnout, which I, Mm -hmm. I know both me and you have experienced burnout. And, um, I also know that for both me and you, it was like food and nourishment that help us recover from that. Um, so I, there's this, I feel like this conversation is, um, is so deep and it really brings forward just like so much about like the history of the way women have been taught to take care of their bodies. But I wanted to um, just ask you kind of going back to one, a question I asked before about like other diet trends. Cause um, Mm -hmm. in, in my work, I um, encounter a lot of women who are vegan or vegetarian or, who have been vegan or vegetarian for, you know, 10, 15 years, but are coming forward with all these like health issues now. Mm -hmm. And maybe who are thinking about wanting to include more nutrient dense foods, which maybe we can even define what that means as well. Mm -hmm. But what do you say to women who have been vegan for a long time or vegetarian and like how to start to lean more towards you know, nourishing our, our metabolism and mitochondria and like, uh, taking care of our body in this way. Cause I feel like there's this transition that's happening for many women. Yeah. Oh, there's so many angles to take this from because our food and, and how we engage with it is such a part of how we engage with our ecosystem at large. Um, I would say that, um, there's like a few key, like foundational kind of like principles. Um, I rarely work with women that are not open to eating animals. I'll just say that right off the bat. Like that's one of the first things I ask people when I'm, uh, when people apply to work with me is like, give me a day in the life of your eating, you know, Mm -hmm. and then I can kind of see where someone's at. And then I'll ask, like, it looks like you're more on a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet. Are you open to incorporating more animal foods? Because 
that's how I, that's how I've healed myself is an, I would say it's an animal based diet. Um, the pro metabolic lifestyle tends to be animal heavy foods because, because those foods are the most nutrient dense, meaning they have the most, um, like for example, dairy, it, dairy is the only food that has all three macros. It has protein, carbs, and fat in it. No other food like has that. And, and it's actually like an equal balance. Um, and so that's a superfood right there. Like that's, those are the, the main, we need protein, carbon, fat to survive. So if we could, if we just had a cow and nothing else and just milked the cow, like technically we could survive on that for a while. Um, and so the whole, so a part of my approach is like looking, going to whole foods first. And I find that vegan and vegetarian diets, they're supplement heavy. And I, I mean, I, I recommend supplements, but like not, not to get the main vitamins and minerals that we need to survive. Right. Like, um, you're not getting a lot of zinc on a, a vegan, you're not getting nearly enough zinc on a vegan diet. And, and my, one of my other teachers, Dr. Paul Eck, he, he, um, kind of categorized this group of hair, hair tissue mineral tests when he, he could tell if someone was vegan or vegetarian by the patterns on their test. He started to call them like a vegetarian test because they have low zinc, they have low phosphorus, and they tend to be in a four lows or which means like just you see depletion across the board. And I've seen this as well, even from people that were vegetarian for 10 years. Um, I have a client that was it's, it's a man who I, I don't work with a ton of men, but I will work with men. He was vegetarian slash vegan for about 10 years and fruitarian for the last, like 2021, he was fruitarian. Um, and then he started having like pretty serious health issues and realized he needed to change. And now, so he's been doing, like he's eating liver pate. He's been eating an animal-based diet for at least a year, probably more. And we just did an HTMA and it's, it's, the you see the vegetarian pattern you can see the level of depletion like all the minerals are low and zinc and phosphorus are very low there tends to be high copper i don't need to get in the weeds here but um you know whole foods have mother nature's ratios of the vitamins and the minerals and they provide the minerals with the cofactors that they need. So minerals are not operating in a silo. If you're low in magnesium, that doesn't mean just take magnesium because magnesium is intertwined with sodium and potassium and calcium and all these things. So, um, uh, when we, what we've done with supplements, what we've done with things like multivitamins, like that's not, those are not created with the natural ratios that our body knows how to absorb. So the most bioavailable source of food to ourselves, of uh, the most bioavailable source of minerals and vitamins, is uh, uh is is foods like plant based or animal based. Like it's that's those are what our bodies have, you know, for thousands and thousands of years. That's what our body knows how to digest. And so when you look at something like cod liver oil, you know, it's got ten times the amount of vitamin A as vitamin D you need vitamin A and vitamin D together in order to be able to absorb both of those and utilize both of those. But we've gotten really kind of confused in the big picture of like over, overemphasizing vitamin D, for example, you know, like most people have vi supplemented vitamin D at some point in their life, but what about vitamin A? 
why aren't we talking about vitamin A? Vitamin A is super important. Um, and so this is just one example of like why I like to just lean back on mother nature and trust that those ratios and those combinations are best and animals have the most of those nutrients. And again, we're talking about soil health being depleted. So we eat, I don't remember the exact number, but I heard that like an apple today, um, or it would take 20 apples or maybe 10 apples or something today to, to equate to one apple, the nutrient uh, density of one apple from like the 1910s or something. Um, and so we're like, we have to keep in context that we're literally getting less nutrients from our foods these days. Like that's even from cows, like that steak is going to have less than it did in the past. And so, um, yeah, I, I, um, I personally feel that And then also, okay. And then there's the protein aspect, um, you know, for women, for our thyroid health, for our libido, we need protein. We need like the, the closer I've gotten to like, I don't really track anymore, but let's say like 80 to hundred grams of protein a day. Like I'm, I eat meat at every meal now. And I don't know if I'll do that forever, but that's what my body needs. And I feel the best. I have sustained energy. I have fuel. I'm strength training. Like I didn't have, I couldn't do any of that before. And that's the, that's the case for so many women that I work with and that I've been in like these, these spaces with. Um, And the other thing too, is when you think about like a cow, you know, they, man, there's so many things I want to say about this. So cows have four stomachs. They're digesting a ton of, they eat all day. They're eating all day, eating grass. And so the amount of like, all of that's getting condensed into like a four ounce, you know, piece of steak. And so like when I'm like, okay, if you really are committed to like a vegan vegetarian diet, like how much kale do you need to eat to get the equivalent of the nutrients in a four ounce pizza of steak? Like, it's just, it's just more, if much more efficient. Right. And then on vegetarian, like vegan diets, you're not getting vitamin A, you're not getting retinol. You're not getting that animal, like the healthy saturated animal fat, which I think is detriment. Like that's detrimental to our health, especially if you are, um, wanting to conceive, if you're wanting to like grow a child, um, like children under the age of two need vitamin A, they need that retinol and you can only get that from animal fat. Carrots have beta carotene that's converted into retinol down the line, but that's not like, that's not, um, that's not the same thing as retinol from animal tissue. So there really just are things that I personally believe cannot be substituted with supplements. Um, there are things, there are certain nutrients and the cofactors and the way that they're interrelated. That's honestly so much more than we even know. Like we don't know everything in the universe. We don't understand how, you know, that cow that is, you know, hopefully we're eating like pasture, you know, pasture fed cow that the grass is like healthy and it's out in the sunshine and it's getting the microbes from the soil. And like, if, if that cow's in your local bioregion, then you're getting, you know, there's a relationship there with yourself and your local um, soil that you're eating, you know, that there's so much like mystery and magic and complexity in how our bodies work and interact. And like, the other thing too, that I just need to say is I respect everyone's choice. You know, like I get, I understand like 
conventional farming is awful. It's terrible. And I think the way to, a, a way to um, pull support from that, that's not depleting your body in the process is to invest in regenerative farming, regenerative sources, like things like wild idea, buffalo or force of nature or your local farmers, your local ranchers. If you have them, you can go talk to them at the farmer's market, ask if they're you know grass fed, grass finished, pasture raised. Are they spraying? Are they feeding um, pesticide like hay or alfalfa that has pesticides or is it organic? You know, like there's so many like conversations that you can have. And then you're actually engaging in your local ecosystem because all of these farm animals are critical to soil and to be able to grow plants. Like we can't, you know, we've agriculture depends on this full cycle. Um, and I think the regenerative farming movement is really beautiful and that's what we need to move more into. So like vote with your dollar and prioritize that. And then we're also as humans eating those, getting those good nutrients, but the, the kind of like argument that, you know, I, I love animals and I can't eat an animal, but I'm going to eat like an industrial, like manufacturing plant, soy burger that was grown in a monocrop that was sprayed with a bunch of pesticides and then gone through this like 25 step process to then be like spat out of a tube into a little package like, like that, you know, like, I'm sorry to be like dramatic, but it's just like, that to me doesn't feel like a, that's not a heal. That's not healing any system. That's not, that's not, you know, that to me doesn't feel like the answer. And that's not helping us as our, as our, we need strength and resilience in ourselves in order to make the change that we need to in this world. And so, um, I, I just really feel passionate and it's, it kind of, I feel really sad when, to me, it feels like people are choosing to sacrifice their own health in order to, for like a, a more of like a cause. And women need full cups. Like women don't thrive in that. We can't thrive when we're depleted. It, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Mm. Mm. I loved everything you shared, Sina, right there. Yes, <laughs> I'm all for the drama. Um, <laughs> you know, one thing I, I say sometimes to clients or consultation clients is, you know, your body doesn't actually care about your ideology. Mm. Um, you know, mind and body, they are intertwined, but body on earth doesn't give two sticks to what your mind thinks is right or wrong or what your heart feels is right or wrong. Um, body has its own needs and agenda. And, um, as you pointed out, you know, there are ways to support the ideology and the causes that, um, are regenerative and mm -hmm. that are healthy and healing, for all parties, not mm -hmm. supporting, you know, agro, ag you know, big oil agriculture, because, you know, those yeah. plants, they're utilizing petroleum, and they're even like spraying petroleum fertilizers on the ground so that they can make those uh, beyond burgers. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm definitely going to link um, the, you know, Wild Idea Buffalo and Force of Nature in the show notes. I, I love Wild Idea Buffalo. John and I bought like 50 pounds of ground buffalo. <laughs> um, yeah, there are ways that we can um, love the planet and honor animals and life that also yeah. honors our life. And as you have so beautifully shared so far as like our metabolism, our minerals, our, the the healthy functioning of our body allows us to not only honor our life, but to have the vitality to continue life and then Mm -hmm. have the energy to stand up for life around us. And that's really what um, I heard in your soliloquy there (laughs) (laughs) yeah and honestly like on that point it's like I mean you've you you know we've been close friends for a long time you've kind of seen my work evolve and like I am now so much more confident and outspoken not like outspoken not in like a you know trolling way but I just I I am very clear in my message now and clear in communicating it Whereas like before I would never, I would never, I was always like kind of scared. I was kind of like, I don't know. I'm kind of hesitant. Like I would kind of like dance around things and I wouldn't really just like stand in my, you know, in my beliefs and be like, this is, you know, like this is provocative. You know, I'm like, oof, like I can imagine that some people are going to listen to this and feel some type of way because it's provocative. And I'm kind of really coming in with this certain perspective and it's like, but I, I'm doing that now because I have energy and, and like strength right Mm -hmm. and like when I wasn't cellularly strong I didn't I wasn't able to express in this way Mm -hmm. um I didn't feel like that strong stance in my truth and so that's just kind of another example that I I see with women kind of like we there's yeah there's this like power that we can access and you can see that when women are really like well nourished you know they're kind of like unfuckwithable it's like yeah yes yes fire is strong our furnace is going (laughs) um so I have just a couple more questions um the um one being something that I know both you and I have noticed and experienced and like internally dealt with and I'm, I'm sure other women have as well you know who started to nourish themselves again um, our body starts to change, you know, and there is a potential trend of weight gain and mm-hmm. things filling out and, you know, boobs getting bigger, maybe butt getting bigger and, you know, belly getting softer, these sorts of things. Um, I would just like to talk about that because I think that's one reason why so many women basically starve themselves. And I'm speaking, you know, from experience, I did like the only drink coffee and butter until like 2 p.m. for like several years in my 20s because I wanted to be super thin, you know, mm-hmm. um, and or just like live on juice for days or like just have like a salad with some oil and vinegar, these sorts of things. Yeah. And, um, you know, once you and I started eating in this way around the same time and you know, I, I know for me, like suddenly my clothes started to fit differently. Like I looked a little different in my bathing suit and I became self-conscious, but I decided to continue forward in the eating with it because I started to feel more grounded in my body. And so I would just love to hear your 
thoughts on, you know, going into more nutrient dense food, maybe pro metabolic lifestyle, but then gaining weight and then the body looks different and like what you have experienced with that, uh, and what your thoughts are around that. Yeah, this is such a good conversation. So important. Um, I mean, one thing I'll start with is like, on there's the, there's the food, the nutrition, the lifestyle piece we haven't touched on exercise. Um, and when a big part of my work, when I see the status of someone's adrenals and their thyroid for women, especially, I usually, I usually tell them to totally back off of cardio to never do a high intensity interval training workout ever again, <laughs> if I had it my way, but, um, you know, there, so it's like, it can be this really total paradigm shift. Cause you're like, okay, wait, I'm not pushing myself in the gym as hard and I'm eating all like, I'm eating the bacon and the whatever. Um, I keep saying bacon. It's not just like a bacon diet, but that's just what comes to <laughs> mind. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. Um, but you know, so it's kind of this like, whoa, there's so much coming in and then I'm, I'm supposed to rest more. Cause a lot of when I'm, when I see someone with burned out adrenals, a lot, a lot of times it can be like a, Hey, we really need to, to tailor back. We really need to pull back. We really need to prioritize rest. We need to nap. We need to get eight to 10 hours of sleep a night. We need to like, for certain people, we need to literally put the adrenals to rest where you just like downshift in order to heal. And so that, that is, that is a, you know, I I don't think women need to be doing intensive cardio. Um, because I think it's really depleting because that increases our cortisol, that increases our stress hormones. And then we're in the like same adrenal exhaustion loop essentially. And for so many of us, we're already in that stress fight or flight loop already. We're already so, uh, we lean so heavily on our uh, sympathetic dominant system, like nervous system that um, we're already pushing through body signals. So um, that's just like a side piece to, to that conversation. Um, but, and then as a result, like it's common for, for weight gain. The thing to keep in mind, that's been my experience too, is like when we are depleted, like our bodies are made to survive. And so women will often gain weight around in their bellies and like their hips, but like our organs and our uterus, like all of that's like right in the front. That's where our stomach, you know, our stomach, all, all those important organs are kind of in our midsection. And so if you have a, a long history of ignoring your hunger cues and essentially what your body interprets that is, as is being in a, in a famine, like if you're continuously starving, quote unquote, yourself, um, your body is going to be like, okay, we got to kick on the adrenals, got to get those stress hormones going because we don't have enough physical fuel to to go. And so we're going to be in a, in a fight or flight state. And then, um, and then once we start making that transition to actually nourishing and feeding our bodies, then our bodies are like, oh my God, okay, wow, we're getting all this nutri- nu- nutrients. We're going to save some of this. We're going to set this aside, protect our organs, protect the most important parts of ourselves for the next time that we're in a famine, because we've been shown that we go into a famine state pretty often. 
And so that's a transition too of like our bodies don't like our bodies operate on their own time. And so it, it's a big transition to go from ignoring hunger cues to eating three meals at set times a day plus snacks. Like we have to get that metabolism going. We have to get that digestive fire going. We have to get our digestion moving, you know, especially if you're transitioning from like a vegetarian or vegan diet, like you have to rebuild the capacity, those protein digesting enzymes and the dairy digesting enzymes, like they kind of go dormant when we're not needing them. So anyways, there's a transition period. It can be uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable for me. I think there is a way to... Um, like I went from keto to pro metabolic, wouldn't recommend that. I, I kind of like dove in and like, my body was like, like, what the heck? And it took a long time, but what has really, really helped more than anything is strength training. Um, I, I'm not like an affiliate or anything, but I just want to shout out Adina Rubin's strength training for happy hormones, uh, program, because it is incredible. She is a, she's knowledgeable about thyroid and metabolism and hormonal health. She, you work out, I work out three times a week for 30 minutes and my body is in the, I've been the best shape I've ever been. And, and like that, um, that practice, that exercise practice more than anything else I've done. I mean, I'm a yoga teacher. I've done I walk, you know, I mean, I've done a lot of things in my life, but strength training and building muscle, that muscle is a metabolically supportive organ. Like when we have muscle store that is burning energy and fuel for us all the time. It helps us regulate our blood sugar. I mean, it has so many impacts. Um, and that is a way that we can turn all of this energy that we're putting into our body. We can utilize it and it helps our, it kind of like builds that metabolic fire that can be really helpful when we're in this, like when we don't have a lot of fire and then we're putting in a bunch of input, but the output is not really like the cycle's not really flowing. Um, and so I would say that that would be like one of my, you didn't really ask for recommendations, but that would be one of my like biggest recommendations. If someone is like on this path or thinking about this path and like struggling with like the change in size and, and, and clothes and all that, it's like, like I, I wear bigger pants now but it's because I have like a booty and I'm more juicy and I love that you know it's like and then I have like parts of my body that I'm like oh gosh like my belly is kind of you know and I like every woman like thinks they're fat and it's like a whole problem in itself but it's like because I feel internally strong and healthy and then I I, I feel externally you know, I feel strong and healthy and like I like I just picked up a 30 pound bag of cat food and I was like wow that was actually really easy like that's cool that feels really good so it just it boosts like confidence and um esteem in so many ways that are so much more important than like having a little like extra belly zone you know and it's like women are I, I, women are made to be juicy like we really are like you know men want hips to grab onto like like kids want like to nuzzle into like grandma's bosom you know it's like it's it's hard and I I'm I'm not saying like it's I'm impacted by it too it's hard it's hard in this society where we are constantly grown up and fed images of of unrealistic female bodies but the reality is like those bodies are are like starving you know like that's a starved woman and that's the, that's the image that we're trying to like base our health on. Like that's just fundamentally, that's a reversal. That's a full reversal. And so, um, 
I don't think the answer, like, I'm not saying we should all gain a bunch of weight, but like you, most women probably need to be like 10 to 15 pounds heavier than they were. I, I am, I'm at least 10 pounds heavier than I was probably 15, maybe at this point. Um, but that that's muscle and I have more energy and I'm like healthier and happier than I've ever been. And I'm like way more fertile and like my libido is like on fire and it's like life is just much more enjoyable. So would I trade that? for being like skinny and fitting into my size zero is like, no, definitely not. You know? Mm. Yeah. I echo that, you know, I'm probably 15 pounds, maybe even 20 at this point. I don't know. (laughs) Heavier than I was, you know, at my thinnest. And, um, as I mentioned, when I asked a question, I just feel more grounded. I don't feel so spacey. I, the anxiety that I used to, that used to plague me doesn't really Mm -hmm. exist anymore. Mm -hmm. I just feel more calm and centered and, you know, it's like, okay, I had to go up a size, you know, on my bottoms and like, okay, oh, I'm filling out my bras a little more. Like, that's fine. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, maybe this is what, I mean, we're both in our mid thirties. So it's like, maybe this is like what transitioning into like womanhood is about, you know, it's like accepting our womanly, womanly bodies. Right. Um, Right. And one thing I can add to that is women give four pounds of their minerals to their babies. And so we actually like really do need something extra, you know, not over the top, like, but there's a reason that our bodies have more fat than men, Hmm. like just on a, just on a foundation. There's a reason, you know, that our bodies do hold more of that. Like we, we, we're holding more minerals and nutrients because our bodies are designed, whether you choose to have children or not, that our bodies are designed to get, to be able to give that to our children ideally and not deplete ourselves too much. Right. 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 All intelligent design. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the final questions I have is just really like any beginning tips, like if someone is, if their interest is piqued by this conversation, they're like, oh my gosh, like, I, you know, I I want to feel well-nourished. I want to support my metabolism and my thyroid and, you know, remineralize Mm -hmm. my beautiful cells. What are just some beginning tips that you would recommend to women? Yeah, I would say eat a protein rich breakfast within an hour, hour and a half of waking up like that. Do that as your number one or top, one of your top priorities in the morning, animal protein, animal protein. Yep. A good mix of, um, animal protein carbs and fat. So, I mean, I, this morning I had some chicken that I had made the night before with some eggs, tzatziki sauce and, black rice. So that's not like a typical breakfast. And, but like, I mean, for me, sometimes it's helpful to think of like, what would I eat for dinner? And just kind of like add some eggs to it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, getting that in is going to stabilize your blood sugar for the day and just make a huge difference. I mean, that's, that literally is one of the main ones that, um, like moves the needle for women is just eating breakfast, Mm -hmm. eating a good hearty breakfast, um, getting enough protein in, um, that again, like moving towards 80 to hundred grams of protein a day, at least in the beginning as you're rebuilding, like that makes a big, big difference. Um, don't eat carbs alone. Don't just like eat chips or don't just eat fruit alone. Like always eat it with a protein or a fat, ideally with a protein, but like you can also do it with a fat because carbs will 
um, that can like cause a glucose spike. But if we have that protein or fat that can help us, um, that helps the blood sugar stay more balanced and more regulated. Um, and eat organic and it doesn't even have, like, I don't care, obviously if it's certified organic, like if you know of a small farmer that has good farming practices and you can talk to them, like, that's great. But we really, the impact of, um, glyphosate and, and pesticides on our cellular health and our metabolism is profound. And we are, most people have no idea. Like we do not realize that in the United States, the United States allows six times more glyphosate to be sprayed on our crops than Europe. We also allow it to be sprayed at a later time, like closer to harvest. And so we are getting substantially more glyphosate in the conventional foods that we're eating. And I actually was just in Scotland in Europe and you can see, literally, you can visibly see that the, our metabolic health in America is in a serious, a serious issue um, compared to what I was, you know, I, I could eat the food in Europe. I could go to in Scotland. I could go to a restaurant and not be like, Oh, is this organic? I don't know. I, like, you know, I'm so stressed out about food here in the United States. When I go out to eat, I, I will only go to certain restaurants and it's a whole thing. Um, and there's no way to escape it at this point, not to be like a Debbie Downer, but like, it's, you know, even organic foods, not perfect because glyphosate is so, um, it's everywhere, but a thing that we can do for our health and for our family's health is to, you know, organic meat, organic meat. We do not want cows that are being fed hormones or eating, um, you know, GMO pesticide sprayed corn. Like we want cows out in the sunshine eating healthy, happy grass. I know money's an issue with that one, but um, it, what we don't invest now in organic, we're going to pay later for our health issues. So it's more of like a preventive um, thing to prioritize preventative. And uh, yeah, those would probably be my top tips. Yeah. Thank you for that. Wow. Sina, I, there's so many threads that I'm like, I feel like I could talk to you for like five hours. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, where can people find you if they want to know more about your work or even like book a call with you? Get HTML. Yeah. Yeah. I like hanging out on Instagram. I'm at Sina, S-E-N-A, two underscores Maria. Um, I have a website, micro-glow.com. Um, and yeah, I, I have some openings for three month and six month clients right now. So I'm, yeah, I'm happy to connect with people and uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I'm so glad to finally be doing a podcast together. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty friends. Well, thank you so much for listening and thank you Sina again for your um, incredible wisdom and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today, friends. If you want more cervical wellness information and content, check out my website, cervicalwellness.com, or give us a follow over on Instagram at cervicalwellness. Please share this episode if it felt right and true for you. And until next time, friends, remember, we've got this.